like our story is a lot bit different in the sense that we never really raised any capital. Um, Wait, you did like sort of. How do you boot? No. How do you bootstrap a space company? That's what I want to know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Space Roots. Uh, today on the show we have um, Tom. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, nice. Thanks for having me. He is the founder of Alba Orbital, which does uh, the, the small satellite deployment. Is that right? Yeah, we're the world leading organization in Pocube satellites technology. So deployment of Pocubes. We've we've launched more Pocubes into orbit than any other organization. And, and that's like what two? <laughs> uh, oh. Six. Six. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we we got eleven going up um, end of the year. That's so cool. Nine. So we'll be at 17, hopefully, by December. That's Sweet the, 17. Uh, plan. Nice. Yeah, so things go to plan. Um, so, so yeah, uh, so we do that. Um, and the next best org's at four, so we are a good bit ahead of them. Um, so, uh, nice. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, we, we do ground stations. We do, do lots of different things. Wow, no, that's, yeah. that, that, that's awesome. Uh, so how um like uh how, how do you start this uh since you're the what the ceo founder yep that's me um so this is also your story how did, how did you come up with the idea of throwing tiny things into space <laughs> um i mean how long you got um <laughs> it's um well yeah I mean, I guess I graduated university in 2011 in Glasgow, and I've sort of been tracking sort of the early SpaceX stuff, uh, sort of Falcon 1, somewhat failed a lot, and then and literally got some success on Falcon 1 in the end, and then they brought in Falcon 9. And uh, there was another company in Glasgow doing space, a uh, company called Clyde Space, and um, I tried to initially get a job there, um, but you know, on the seventh attempt, I gave up um, and decided, well, I was a graduate in business at university. Mm. So I decided, why not start a business doing space? You know, um, it seemed like there's a bunch of things happening in the sector um, that were allowing people to start things, you know. Democratizing um, space. Right, yeah. So it seems like the barriers were dropping quite substantially and that there'd be new players being created. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I was really interested in flying a satellite. Um, it seemed like that was kind of the, the way to go. Um, obviously, building a rocket's quite expensive, like really expensive. Right. Especially if you want to do an orbital launch vehicle. I mean, you don't get change out of like 100 million for doing a development program. Um, right. So, especially if you want to be successful and, and actually make orbit. Mm -hmm. So orbit making like orbit is so hard. Like, I, I think I think people, well, at least I tend to have like a first. I thought, ah, I mean, how hard can it be? You know, you just you just <laughs> throw something up there and it, it orbits, right? How hard can it be? But no, it, there's there's so much to go on. I mean, launching rockets is 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 it's literally rocket science. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like fair play to the guys that do it, you know, I mean, we work with Rocket Lab and SpaceX and it's, um, you know, it's definitely a, a hard business to, to get into and a hard business to sort of, you know, mm -hmm. 
build your technology and your business around, but um, they obviously are doing an amazing job at it. So it kind of seemed like maybe that wasn't like a great use of time to try and go after that sort of thing, and mm. it wasn't really my specialty. But it seems like satellites were kind of an area that, you know, there was a lot more, the development that keeps that around about that time was really starting to take off commercially. That's when Planet Lab started to kind of emerge in um, mm. oh, yeah, sort of commercial So they sort of emerged around that time, um, Spire as well. And it kind of seemed that um, what was like an academic hobbyist tool would eventually like was becoming commercial. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool thing to see. Um, so I was looking at doing a CubeSat, um, but the launch costs at the time, I think, were maybe on the order of like hundred and something thousands for one year. Um, wow. So like really, it's really expensive. Uh, so it's like kind of broke graduate. It didn't really seem like it was achievable to launch a one year because mm-hmm. um, everyone's saying, oh, you know, CubeSat's democratizing space. And like they are to an extent, and that's great. And it, you know, compared to what we had before, they are massively forward, but to really open the door to a wider audience, you need to um, keep on going, you know, monetizing the, the, the platform, I think. And and that's really where I came across Pocubes. So I chatting to a guy called Bob Twiggs, who was one of the co-creators of CubeSat, and he, he was working on Pocube. Mm. And um, yeah, Bob was basically sort of pitching the whole concept of the five centimeter cube uh, rather than the ten centimeter cube, which is the cube set. Right, um, right, uh, the pocket cube. Right. So um, around about that time, I, I kind of concluded that I didn't really need a full one year for like what I was looking to do. I was, I thought I could miniaturize my application and make it smaller. You know, electronics are, you know, very. Electronics are one of those things that get smaller over time and more capable over time in a small right. form factor. They're naturally kind of, you know, quite good at that. Whereas at the time, the space industry and still maybe to an extent sort of didn't believe that anything under one YouTube set was either viable or anybody would want to do it. Um, which I just seem just seems so obviously not true. You know, it seemed mm. obviously you could build a box of electronics that would be less than a kilogram and a half. Yeah. So, so then, then you said, together. "Hold my beer. Watch this." <laughs> right well i guess like uh, uh <laughs> i mean yeah it took me some time but um yeah essentially um i sort of got interested in the pocubes and the first pocubes launched in 2013 so we started 2012 uh, but i went full-time in the company in 2013 um we've done a kickstarter around the time of the first launch just before the first launch and the first four pocubes launched into orbit Mm-hmm. Um, so we were going to be this kind of like sort of shop where you'd buy a lunch from these other guys and um, we would do like bits, you know, we'd sell your radios and we'd do like frames and... Okay, so, so you, you are a part supplier for Pocket Cubes. Yeah, essentially, so I, I tried to... I was going around like all the CubeSat companies being like, sell me some PocuCube bits and they were like, get lost basically. Like we're not interested in serving that niche because there's like nobody really cares and we can't charge much money. This is basically like the, the fundamental business challenge with PocuCubes. Um, so, uh, so it's like, oh, I'll be the company that does that <laughs> with like, you know, a tiny, like basically nobody else really that interested in developing. There's only like a handful of people uh, back <laughs> oh, that's then. so cool. Um, yeah, it's just pretty, you know, fizzle on a taxi probably. Um, and uh, that was back in 2013. So the launch happened, uh, the first of our pocket launch happened in November 2013. And I was getting all excited. I was like, right, well, there's going to be a launch the year after, and then we're going to be, you know, 
the thing's just going to explode and people are going to see like you know how but not literally right why is that sorry but but not but not literally right you know you don't want them literally exploding <laughs> or or as i like to now say i know i think this is the wrong term but i love using it for another word for an explosion random thermal reconfiguring <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, exploding Sally is bad for sure. Um, but but anyways, so you were hoping that yeah. there'd be this massive growth, um, once it, but it's been a little bit slower. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, essentially, um, sort of tie up. We we bought a launch with those guys that launched, and we essentially got delayed about four years, five years on the launch. Um, really? Still hasn't flown as of today, so. Uh, we, we essentially decided to come up with our own. We, we've done a bunch of things, essentially. So we went from being a component supplier to building our first spacecraft called Unicorn 1. So that was around 2015. We started that project with uh, ESA, the European Space Agency. Mm. Uh, so that was their first project in our sort of class of spacecraft. Um, and it was you know, the first ever 2P ever built. So it's like a double pod cube. So it's like 5 by 5 by 10 So sort of like a... Uh, like 80s cell phone type kind of, you know, chunky, um, mm -hmm. chunky cell phone shape. Um, so we built that and it's supposed to fly into 2016, but it's been delayed uh, indefinitely. And then we got the Unicorn 2 project. Mm -hmm. um, so we developed basically like the, I mean, really it became obvious having developed our first full system, Unicorn 1, which was essentially like maybe two or three people developed that system that, um, like anything designed by two or three people that's quite a complicated device is not going to be great. And it was the first ever iteration. It was the first ever 2P in history. It needed, you know, a bit of love. Um, so right. we moved to a, a triple pocket cube, so a 3P um, called Unicorn 2. Uh, and Unicorn 2, so huge movement forward in terms of specifications. Uh, so we, we increased the power between about 10 and 20x. Um, so substantially more power, which basically allowed us to run a field pointing system. So we're basically able to build the world's smallest ADCS, which is a attitude determination control system. So it's basically your satellite is tumbling. You want to look at something like, how do you do that? So um, sort of like reaction wheels? Yeah, so like reaction wheels is part of it. Uh, Magnetorkers, uh, sun sensors. And you can fit uh, that all in, inside that tiny little frame. I guess you don't need much. Wow. I uh, yeah, I mean like it's it's smallest in the world, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we've got the smallest one. Um, you can make it work. <laughs> it's like quite a hard problem, like it turns out. Um, you can make but, it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can make it work. Um, yeah, um, so, so it's, it's quite interesting because like how do you bring these concepts of big satellites into small satellites and then also like some, some things scale down well and make a lot of sense but then mm -hmm. a lot of things don't really scale down well and you need to kind of re rethink things like how you design something of that class. It's so like, like a for example, giant, sorry, it's like a giant Tetris um, game Yeah, Tetris. essentially. Um, <laughs> Just try to fit everything in there. <laughs> wow. Well, with something like a CubeSat or a MicroSat, um, you know, you're not really that constrained by volume or mass, so you don't really have to try very hard when it comes to a lot of things, like from a design perspective. Whereas mm -hmm. if you really constrain these things, you have to get really kind of clever with your design, and it's actually quite an interesting design challenge mm. um, to do what big satellites can do, but in a tiny like, form factor or, or mass. Um, 
so, yeah, we probably have the highest power to weight ratio satellite in the world, I reckon. Like, I mean, 20 watts in a satellite that weighs like 700 grams is like the same power to weight. Uh, and also we've got ADCS, which is, is very small um, and can orientate ourselves and, you know, all three axes and uh, yeah, and payload. We've got quite a lot of payload volume, but half the satellite's payload volume. So then like how you package that up is quite a challenge. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing. So we had the first launch. Uh, so we essentially, um, around 2018, we decided to do our own like launch brokering service. So we developed Alpapod as well Wait, in the so, interim. So, so, so to, to go into detail, what is a launch brokering service? I've actually not heard that term before. Right. Well, I mean, it's, I guess, a bit like Uber, but for our, yeah, Uber or a bus service oh, so for getting to orbit. So it's like uh, there'll be like a large, well, like a SpaceX, you know, they might have a launch and um, you then like buy up a certain chunk of yep. space and then you break that up and sell that to other people. Yeah, essentially. Okay. It's sort of like the drug, the drug dealer business model where you, you buy so much supply and then you need to get rid of it in a certain period of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's basically what happens. Um, so yeah, it, essentially, like the, the premise goes that um, to get economies of scale, like to, to get a cheap ride to orbit, a relatively cheap ride to orbit, you know, mm -hmm. by the scale that we're at, you can't, you can never really procure a launch. You know, no one's gonna build a rocket for a two hundred gram satellite to go to orbit. It just doesn't make any sense. But right. obviously, you need to aggregate it. So essentially, we essentially go and buy so many kilograms. We uh, we developed our own dispensing system called Albopod. Mm -hmm. So it's a very lightweight um, pocket chip um, deployer. Um, and uh, yeah, essentially okay. we deploy pocket chips uh, out of that. Uh, so we flew two of them, uh, two of the Albopods on the Electron Flight 10, so the Rocket Lab flight. So that made orbit successfully and they both worked, which was awesome. Um, we dispensed six satellites um, for a bunch of different customers um, from a bunch of different countries. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And we've done it. Yeah, so we, you know, 20, 25k euro to get in orbit. So our customers ranged everywhere from a 16 year old kid up to. Wait, a 16 year old kid? <laughs> yeah. What was it like yeah. with the. Like, in what situation does a 16 year old kid launch a satellite? Um, well, I mean, was he like kinda, part of a we, school project? Like, <laughs> rich parents? <laughs> oh. Um, well, I mean, the, the guy behind it, uh, Julian, he's, he's done, yeah, he's done really well for himself. He's, um, he, he managed to get sort of funding from, oh, from oh Julian, oh, oh, him, oh, yeah. I, oh, I think he was gonna have one, <laughs> yeah, okay, wow, all right, all right, that makes sense. All right, so tell yeah. us more. I'm always curious. Love to hear about the economics of uh, of, of um, well, this industry. How hard was it to get funding? Uh, very hard. Um, yeah, like, funding is always hard. Doesn't matter what you do. It absolutely um, is. But like, I, I guess you um, wouldn't have a. Um, I guess you you wouldn't have a. Uh, I don't I don't want to say a perspective, but like the, you've only raised capital for space, right? So it's it's hard to be like to know what it is compared to everywhere else but like how does that work right like does it do you go are there specific 
um, like venture capital firms or angel investors that uh, are dedicated to space, or do you try to like have some um, try to target other in- investors? Um, about this. Yeah, I mean, I guess like our story is a lot bit different in the sense that we never really raised any capital. Um, Wait, you did like sort of. How do you boot? No. Wait, how do you bootstrap a space company? That's what I want to know. <laughs> With great difficulty is uh, the the answer. I mean, yeah, we were, we were probably one of the only companies that have six satellites in orbit without ever raising capital. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you just do it through a lot of hard work. <laughs> that's that's like, amazing. All right, so, so, so walk us through that. Walk, walk us through. So you're, you're a broke college student, and you're like, you know what? No one's doing this crazy awesome thing. I'm going to be the first. So you go out there, and, and like, how, how, do you, how do you even, like, yeah, how does it even work? Forest. Like... Like, what, what was your, your steps to to actually being able to... Because it, space is, is extremely expensive. I mean, it might be cheaper, but it's not... Yeah. You there? Hello? Oh, you're, you're really quiet. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Probably doesn't like you. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you. You're, 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 you're okay, faint. I was just talking. Um, yeah, so, you're cutting out. Um, here, why don't you, um, I'll leave, you know, I'm gonna drag you off, and then drag you back on, and then, uh, alright, let's see if that did anything. Yeah, that's better, it's a lot better. Okay, sweet. Alright, so, where were we? Um, yes, you were telling us about how you were able to bootstrap a space company. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's so many things, I guess. Um, so we started with a Kickstarter. I mean, it really involves in the early days, really not just not paying yourself and just really kind of struggling of to make ends meet. Um, Naturally. So I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of suffering. So, I mean, the first, the first 13 months, I never got paid anything. And now it's like full time doing it, which is quite demoralizing. Um, and then eventually I managed to pay myself like, you know, half a minimum wage and then eventually minimum wage. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like three or four years in. So it's like, it's pretty grim. Um, but we, there's, I guess, a few key milestones. We got a Kickstarter, which kind of was our first money. And uh, we raised like 3,000, which is kind of quite nice. Um, get going. Um, and then we, um, from that, we were able to uh, get a few interns in, about funding for that, and then we were able to get a, a like an R and D um, contract, basically a, a award to do some development of a, a power system for Pocube uh, from some Scottish government people. So that was quite nice. And that allowed us to get our first office and the first full time employee. Um, so that, that was quite a big milestone. Um, going from a homeless broke startup to uh, not almost broke startup is just a huge milestone. Um, uh, that's the thing in the early days, like when the company doubles, when SpaceX double, you know, they add 7,000 employees. But when a startup doubles, you know, it's gone from like one guy to two guys. You know, <laughs> right. No one writes press releases about it, but, you know, from that organization perspective, it's, it's a huge thing. Um, <laughs> and then 
yeah then we got unicorn one with isa so that was quite a big one um so that allowed us to get like sort of the team up to like four or five people um and really kind of work on developing a proper system albeit like with not really enough resources and you know um really just super constrained um and we won unicorn two contract after that which was quite a large contract um mm. and that allows to the development of that unicorn two and uh the 96p album pods the, the big album pods um which is basically a, a big sort of machine gun dispensing system so what, um, what you're doing is essentially you are you started and you were just you know you know trying to get your word out and everything and then you got secured a few contracts and that's just where you were working on like a specific part of a thing that... Yeah, essentially. I mean, you just, you just keep on trying to do more stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, we were able to get... I mean, we had some customers as well. So we had uh, some early customers for the, the Taiwanese space agency bought some stuff for Wait, Taiwan and... has a space agency? Yeah. Uh, wow. I did um, not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it either until they inquired and bought some stuff. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they were quite into what we were up to back in the day. Um, That's cool. Yes, so yeah, there's like about that. Um, they can't think what else. There's just like a lot of little contracts, then you sort of build into bigger contracts and mm -hmm. develop more capabilities, which then have more value for people, and then you can improve your product. And really, I think it started taking off when we done Alpha Launch. We started, um, you know, Alpha Launch, I think we have like 17 customers now for Alpha Launch, or 17, 18 customers, something like that. So that's really been our kind of. All right, I, another, that's another question. What does it, what does getting a space a contract from like a space agency? What does that look like? Like, is, is there like a bunch of bids, <laughs> and then you all kind of throw them in, and then they go through and pick what's best? Like, do you cold call them and be um... like, "Hey, you need a pocket cube"? Well, I mean, I guess I'm still trying to figure out, I guess is the honest answer, because I mean, while we've had some success, I guess you always want to sort of figure out more and mm -hmm. be better at it. But um, certainly in the Pocket launch world, I mean, it's a very small community and like really the niche is like, we, we'll get you in orbit for less than anyone else will, you know, and the trade-off is you have to build a smaller satellite. Um, right. So in that sort of niche, we're kind of like the best option really and mm -hmm. we just list our prices and, and there's only so many developers in the world and right. you know they, they tend we have a developer workshop and if, if people want to fly and if they want to be serious then they go on Alba launch and if they don't then you know they probably won't fly for a while so it's kind of that's kind of i guess the reason to, to people would choose us over like someone else you know we've okay. got you All know right. heritage and capabilities and things something like unicorn we um we have had customers for that as well and i think really the niche there is um like people who need like multiple nodes you know it's sort of um like multi-node kind of system so like how can you deploy you know um more than one satellite for not much money but also get them doing stuff as sort of a team or a group or whatever and so that's kind of like the niche for unicorn i think okay um yeah that's cool wow um, interesting. So, you go for contracts for normal, sa like, small sets, but your pitch is that, hey, we'll take everything you're going to stick in this 11 by 11 frame, and we're going to cram it carefully, neatly, down into 
5-inch cube, which will, you know, what, slash the launch cost be a fourth of what it was? Yeah, essentially. I mean, certainly going to orbit as costs more than gold per kilogram, right? So you kind of want to mass optimize true. a lot. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, so, you know, we have pretty dense system. I mean, essentially it's the, the pitch is, you know, get an orbit faster, quicker, cheaper. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, our kind of core principle there um, and I think really in the next sort of few years it's going to be really deploying like you know um, constellations you know I think that's really going to be the, mm-hmm. the thing because you know you can start to deploy like 20 nodes for like a fraction of the price of one node historically right. so you can start to go after data sets that you know are not really you can't really do other any other way you know economically it's just impossible to service that you know, market without, you know, a low cost mass produced right. system. Right, so right. Because really... yeah, if it's if it's um also the small form factor means that it's um there's less of a service area to um to worry about space debris, you know? Like Yeah. which is well, yeah, I mean, huge. Yeah. The, the, the space debris thing is interesting because we often kind of get like you know misassociated with that. Um, I mean, certainly like the surface areas. I, just, I, I feel just... like that's a really like high level nerdy insult. Your 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 satellites are glorified space debris. <laughs> I mean, about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of snobs out there um, when it comes to that. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, the old Russian rockets that have been up there since the seventies are probably the, the issue. Um, yeah, but that's just me, and you know, it's size of school bus. Um, Wait, the size of, of the school bus? Boring. Well, I mean, I guess the thing with the space debris thing is that um, if you actually look into it, I mean, like where most of the debris is is like old spent rocket boosters that were put into quite high orbits in the early days of the space age, mm. and they're the size of a school bus and they're just going round and round and round. Uh, uh, that's really the, the that's really the, the main issue um, more than anything. Um, and like obviously, if that hits something, then and it's got quite a large surface area to hit, you know. Um, yeah. Whereas we're, could, we're very small. You could fit probably what thousand uh pocket cubes well no more over well over a thousand pocket cubes if it's only what five centimeters is that it five inches yeah f- i mean i think if we on yeah we could fly a lot on like something like it, we could fly an insane number on like a falcon if, if we had to um the only like an electron uh we we launched 12p but like the rocket was half empty in the sense that they had a big prime mm. and then and we probably like if we had the demand to fly we probably could have flown you know like hundreds you know like mm-hmm. um i mean it's a very new industry and very because there's only so many developers in the world right. and, and <laughs> you, you have so. six pocket cubes in in orbit near the <laughs> you have more than anyone else in the world i mean i think that's a pretty significant marker of how new this industry is which, which is yeah, I mean it's niche. It's, it's definitely niche. Um, I mean it's only you. been two. Yeah, I mean I think we're in a good place to be honest. I mean we're in we're we got we got in early. We kind of survived survived the tough times or the, the really tough times in Pocube, um, which is you know 
six years of not launching between the first launch and the second launch <sighs> and that was quite difficult to not die uh, but thankfully yeah. Didn't die. <laughs> yeah. love the honesty there it's pretty difficult to not die <laughs> well, um, i mean that's the trick that's the that's the trick in startups is just don't die yeah. um if you don't if you don't die you'll be fine um so yeah um, have you noticed like the current economic downturn with COVID-19 like have you um seen it affect space or does space kind of seem to be immune um I mean yeah I, mean, I think it affects everything to some degree um but I like mean, certainly they can sorry but like is is it just drawing contracts up left and right or yeah yeah I mean it's kind of hard to tell exactly I mean I think the, the main issue is a lot of um, a lot of the way like business development is done in, in space is like trade shows. So like, there's a lot of trade mm. shows being cancelled, obviously. So yeah, I heard. Know, like, I heard that that's a, a huge uh, problem. Is is a lot. I mean, it's not just space, but like a lot of companies, um, they rely on their trade shows to get a lot of their big clients, and so they're trying to figure out other ways to to do that. Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to figure all that out. I guess. I mean, I think some people are trying to push the whole online remote workshop thing and I'm not really 100% sold on it to be honest yeah. I mean I think there's something to be said with if you're giving someone hundreds of thousands of pounds to do something that's really important to you you kind of want to meet them uh yeah. you kind of want to be like you kind of want to get a feel for like who's doing that and and the sort of the way they're trying to solve the problem for you and then what the trade-offs are and you know it's very hard to recreate that kind of you yeah. know process remotely because um, obviously like if, you know if there was there wouldn't be trade shows <laughs> right <laughs> you know i mean if it was there's such a great alternative then um but there is definitely something to be said for in person and, um so i think that was probably the biggest sort of difficulty um one of the big trade shows we go to in utah called small sat is uh it's cancelled or not cancelled it's moved to an online format but i, I think like like the value is really going there and you know um there's a lot of parties and stuff and you meet a lot of people that you would otherwise meet there's a lot of kind of right person stuff very difficult to there's a no lot pride, of, but like, there's a lot of organic yeah. interaction right like where you're, you're, you're talking you you bump into someone else and yeah yeah you i bet yeah, that's like, all gone there's a lot of, you know i think certainly like you know um the networking element of you know one, you know, you run into some random like U.S. Army general or something like he has no clue who you are and you have no clue who he is, but like you, you bond over some piece of electronics. You know, that's mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of like how a lot of these things happen. I think, or just like even like people who know people who introduce you to other people and you know all that sort of stuff, catching up with people that you already know and you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. So I think that's the biggest issue. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, second trip, obviously, just, you know, we, we've been remote, obviously, like everyone else, for, like, nearly three months at this point, um, which is, as the guy running the company is, is not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Um, mm -hmm. But we're getting pretty close now to being allowed to open up here, so hopefully it will be, I think, 29th is when we're allowed to open up our lab uh, mm -hmm. in Scotland, so... And, and yeah, you're uh, yeah. in the. I, I take it from your accent. You're you're in Scotland, Ireland, Scotland, Ireland, in that area of the world. 
Yeah, Scotland, yeah, Glasgow. Glasgow. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I did not do well in geography. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, so it's in the U.S., so we'll just keep it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it, you see, th there's two countries in the world. There's U.S. and there's not U.S. <laughs> yeah, I heard something like there's a large percentage of Americans don't have passports, which, uh, I mean, that is a big place, America, but there is a world out there. Um, oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. It, it's pretty, like, compared to, I mean, I think how it works is countries in the EU are about the same size or smaller than states in um, in the US. Yeah, I mean, I think the EU as a block would be bigger economically yes. and population-wise than the US, but it's not really a block. It's kind of like likes to be a block when it likes to be a block, but sometimes it's individual. So essentially, individual countries kind of act in like a block when it suits them to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting yeah, system. It's, it's, yeah, it's a bit fluid. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, going to go down there probably. It's a slippery slope. Oh. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you see is the future? Like, where, where do you want to go? Um, you do you want to become just like a parts manufacturer, like a supply part supplier? Do you want to become turn into a um, what was it? Do you want to turn into like a full on um, launching service? Like businesses will tell you your their specs and you'll make that into a pocket cube like what's kind of or you just the grand plan yeah i mean we can have a three-stage plan um i mean stage one is get the launch clusters going and, and grow that and that, that's really happening now stage two is get the platforms going which is the unicorns mm -hmm. stage three is really using those unicorns to create new data sets um okay. so um I, I... we're uh yeah. And what kind of data that. sets are that? Like, what, what what data are you collecting with small sets? Um, well, we haven't announced anything specifically, but I mean, Unicorn's a really great platform for collecting new data. Um, so we got a tech demo mission flying end of the year, mm. which will hopefully um, hopefully get some data down. So we also um, we've also rolled out Alba Connect, which is our ground station solution. Um, so the first one is in Germany. Um, so we have a German division as well now. We oh, wow. Um, so yeah, Germany's great. <laughs> They're very <laughs> pro-space, which is kind of what, what we're after. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, essentially the, the game plan is to um, to get that going sort of later this year and and um, really um, diversify into different areas because i think like the great thing about like having you know hardware and stuff is you know you can use it so essentially when people buy unicorn from us they're basically making this bet saying that if i buy it for x i can make x plus whatever you know mm -hmm. with my application and um i think there's a little bit on us to kind of sort of demonstrate the the business case um or the use case um right. for what we're doing um so yeah, we're, we're trying to do that. Um, and I think in the long term, we'll, we'll build a shit ton of satellites, hopefully. I mean, that's the game plan. You mm -hmm. know, we're really hopeful to really ramp up and. Right. Uh, and, and make yeah. it. I mean, the cool thing about. Sorry, on you. Make it a, 
um, like a competitor or like a replacement for the CubeSat, right? Like, like this is where technology is going is just smaller and smaller, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there will always be CubeSats. Right. Um, I think the, the main thing with PocketCubes is it's just been like making sure that, that there are PocketCubes, you know, like mm-hmm. it's very, it's very hard for a new standard to kind of get any traction at all, you know, mm-hmm. um, like into the first 20 st- satellites in a standard is like really difficult. Like once you get the first 20 or the first 100 and you've got inertia behind you, you know, you really, you know, people know what it is and they're kind of thinking about ideas and they're building stuff and it's a, an industry. Um, so that's really been the first order of business, but now the kind of, you know, the snowball's going, um, albeit it's going kind of slow, we'd like it to go faster. Like you're always just saying, like, we've, there's only been 10 launched. You know, this year we're going to launch more PocCubes than has ever been launched before. Hopefully, it's <laughs> plan. It's just, you know... But of course, quite, uh, that doesn't make headlines, you know, you aren't going <laughs> to... Well, it probably make headlines some places, but like, yeah, it's not... Wait, wait when is that launch going to happen? Do you have a date? Uh, December. December, okay. Yeah. Uh, or because that'll, that'll be one to... Uh, will it be live-streamed, like the, the actual launch? Yeah, yeah, there'll be live stream. Um, we're we're planning to do some live stream stuff as well. So we haven't announced anything yet, but um, we've got a bunch of ideas about how we can make the kind of the whole, you know, viewing the launch and viewing the experience to be a lot better. You know. Oh um, yeah. So oh yeah. 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 So, like, we've got uh, integration happening, so we're hoping to potentially live stream some of that. Um, we have. Um, the workshop happening around the same time so like the annual developers conference is in glasgow like a few days after our integration um okay. we have like open houses as well so well, it's a very kind of pocket communities view classes like very open compared to most space communities um mm-hmm. you know very uh it's kind of it's kind of in the maker world and kind of in the open source world but it's also in other worlds as well so yeah. there's like an element of people in the community that that's their kind of thing mm-hmm. um we're more in the kind of startup world i guess sort of you know we're, we're trying mm-hmm. to make it happen as a business and make the trains run on time and things you know that's kind of what we're trying to do and, and basically just improve the core performance to open the technology out to a wider group of people because if you're talking to the u.s air force they don't care if your things you know percent cheaper than the CubeSat. They care what it does for them, you know. Right. They want something that's, you know, has unique ability, right? It's, um, it's amazing yeah. when um, you're not when you're spending other people's money on projects. How cost just doesn't doesn't isn't important anymore. <laughs> well, uh, isn't it? Isn't I mean this is the weirdest thing going for because I mean I guess I started off as a maker and then started a company and sort of mm-hmm. you know turned it into a sort of company. Um, when you're a maker, you never value your time. I mean, it's yes. always a bomb cost, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, I need to save 20p on this component, you know? Like, it's the end of the world. But then you're like, well, what do I get paid in my day job? And how much, you know, <laughs> I exactly. try, try to fill in my hours? You know, it, it just yep. blows my mind how people, like, a lot of smart people, you know, like, yeah. a lot of smart people. And they, they, like, the way they approach it is, you know, it's, yeah, it's super surprising. Um, yeah. So yeah, you you're on like third, an hour in your day job, and you're like crying over like a 20p component. It's like, what's going on? You know, or you're spending like hours redesigning your board to save like five pounds. It's just like or five dollars. You're like, oh, it's it's yeah. That's funny. 
that's that's my part in the baker community um yeah so i had to learn that the hard way because i started off with the whole maker mentality where it's like every penny counts but then mm-hmm. you're like yeah, yeah you got it the, the, then, then you have yeah. to just transfer into the the business mindset where you're more concerned about an roi if i <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i mean it's really time's money yeah like time's money um and i guess like with when you're doing it as a hobby you, you just say oh well, my time's free it really isn't free because mm-hmm. like you know you've got a day job to pay the bills and you've got like a percentage amount of time left over for hobbies and stuff but if you wanted to kind of grow your hobby outside your leisure time then um you need to start sort of counting for that yeah definitely definitely so wait you did this as a hobby before you uh like did you make small sets or like what what were what did you do before launching alba i think i lost you again um here i'm gonna i'm gonna do the same thing hold on um so what you said you were in the makerspace beforehand what did you uh do in the makerspace like what projects were you involved in Oh, in the ball cube. Um, I mean, yeah, my, I mean, Makerspace was, I, I mean, I'd done it purely for the satellite, you know, it wasn't like I was going in there to, you know, mm-hmm. get a new stationary cupboard, you know, or whatever, or like, you know, um, do some sort of fun side project. I mean, I guess my hobby was ball cubes, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. it's, it's very much, I mean, we were the first ever ball cube company. I mean, like, we're the only company beyond like 10 employees in the world doing pop cubes. I mean, like we are like so you know, cool. the, the industry <laughs> and the nicest possible. There's a lot of great people in the industry, but like, if you look at economically, like as in like bodies that are employed and things and like things that are flying and, you know, projects completed, like we are the lion's share of the community um, by that metric. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, in terms of like, the makerspace stuff, um, I started out in there maybe like sort of 2011, 2012. Didn't really have much background, to be honest, like um, in the whole digital fabrication stuff, but sort of picked it up around the end and, you know, had like the 3D printers and the laser cutters and the CNCs and all that stuff. And, you know, you sort of figure out all this tool does that. And if you want to design this thing, you maybe want to use this tool, you maybe want to use that tool and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, so that's part of that. Yeah, just like the basics, so like, you know, 101 sort of, um, and especially when you're a startup, you can't really afford all the equipment. Um, so um, you can need to, you know, join a community-based thing. Um, and, it, and actually, I mean, just now we're quite lucky, like we have our, you know, clean rooms now, and we've got like a full lab, and nice. sort of tools, and so we're... Yeah, it's, it's quite there. Nice. <laughs> Next level. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, certainly the last few months I've just been really thinking a lot of just trying to professionalize it. I mean, we always were the kind of relative to pocket cube company, uh, pocket builds were always relatively professional, but compared to, say, you know, other other people in the space industry, we were like, relatively hacky and relatively kind of like, you know, yeah. throw it together, which was, I think it's a good place to start, but you know, at some point in time, you kind of got to grow up and kind of like, you mm. know, start, you know, st- start bringing in quality standards and, and just basically just like don't do dumb stuff. Like, um, you know, what was like, the dumbest thing? Of... Dumbest mistake you made? <laughs> dumbest mistake? Uh, there's so many that um, you're willing to, to share on the air. <laughs> well, I can tell you the thing that's been bothering me the last weekend is just like 
getting our lab organized, like just the amount of manners we waste by people either not having the the kit for the satellite or the tooling or oh, the yeah. documentation. Like, you know, it's the, 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 I was trying to figure out, we, we bought some satellites last year and we had 10 employees working on it for 12 months. It's like essentially 120 uh, man months worth of effort to build two satellites. It just seems like insane. Yeah, um, so, so, you know man century of man months um so <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at it objectively to build a satellite you should only take you know it should be like mechanical you know there should be some test procedures and you should like have some automated testing but it shouldn't mm-hmm. it should build one a month by one or two people i mean so we're really off by some way so, so that's the current thing that, that yeah yeah and like why, why didn't we have that in place well that was the first first couple that we we built so um mm-hmm. or flew so we didn't really, it was kind of, we're baking the cake. We're yeah. making the cake as we go along. Um, whereas now we've got a stable design, we think, um, yeah, based on the flight and- Get rid of all that technical debt. Just, yeah, we, we, we done, we kind of, we're kind of transitioning from that design phase where everything's like, let's constantly reinvent the wheel and make it better. And, you know, doing everything from scratch to the stage now we've got design where we're now let's try and get into production because it's kind of hard to know exactly because we are the first pocket company to get to a point that we're entering production with a product you know mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. kind of like a brave new world because there's never been a company at our it's so class cool. of space it's, yeah it's cool it's cool and scary and also like it hopefully it's a brave new world we'll see how it goes but i think there's just a lot of things we can do to you know I really think that we could have a huge production rate, you know, because I mean, our our class of satellites are essentially smartphone class satellites mm-hmm. from like per weight mass, you know, and, and they're super cheap, you know, relative to a spacecraft, like a, a smartphone. So, right. Uh, and they're built, you know, these like billions a year are, are built, you know, smartphones. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like all the fundamentals are in our favor. Um, right. You know, they're small, they're, uh, you can put them on a tree. Yeah, uh, you can, uh, you know, like the thing is like about bigger salaries, you need cranes, <laughs> like, you know, it's right. like, like even like, I don't know, even like a CubeSat, like a, a 16 year, you need a crane. So then you can't build it on a second floor building if you don't have a lift, you know? Wait, you need a cr- what do you need a crane for in a CubeSat? Well, like some of the some of the your cubes actually need cranes to lift them. Because um, I mean, you start to get up to like the 20, 30, 40, 50 kilograms, and then it's you're craning it. Um, so just like things like that hmm. that you never really consider. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, wow. certainly, like yeah, if you're, yeah, yeah, cranes. Um, so because it's a crazy spiral of costs, you know. So it's like. Right. If the things are so small that, you know, we can literally lay out all the parts of the satellite in a tray, essentially. So that's what current our system that we're implementing. And you can see what you've got and you can see what you're missing. And you can, you know, it's, it just seems like super, super, optim- you know, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of opportunity to optimize that and, and you know, start knocking them out. Because the price to orbit is dropping a lot with um, Falcon 9 being reusable now. and. And that's starting to trickle into the sort of ride share world. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, uh, but also I think if we can get the economies of scale and these like tiny, tiny platforms going, it's really kind of crazy force for disruption, you know, because yep. the, the fundamental cost is really low production rate and high 
price per kilogram to orbit. And if those two things start to kind of disappear, then who knows what will get built, you know? It's really sort of taking out the control rods and then seeing what happens. Um, <laughs> and hopefully it'll be positive, you know? It'll be awful if it's negative. No, what's really yeah. exciting is, is thinking about what happens, like, as as the cost to launch, when it dropped, you know, we're able to do, like, you know, small sats, we're able to, you know, build all this stuff for low Earth orbit, but what happens when that same logic applies to something like the moon, you know, where you can ship stuff to lunar orbit, or maybe even, like, uh, you know, lunar surface, have, like, little cube, cube rovers, ha, huh. yeah. Fast. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, moon's still tricky, like, moon's still kind of in that kind of, like, early phase of kind of, like, it's definitely not in the hobbyist world. I mean, I actually think Leo is getting to the point now where we have seen it where individuals are, are building the satellites and they're getting launched, you know, that's mm -hmm. starting to happen now with Paw Cubes. It's really, like, the only way you can really do it is with the Paw Cube, I think. Cubes yeah. is just a bit too expensive. Uh, even Paw Cubes, it could be argued, is probably a bit prohibitive for, like, a, a sort of soul maker. You need, like, maybe a, a club or, mm -hmm. you know, because you need a little bit of funding to pay for the launch still, and it's a yeah. bit of kind of just test costs and things. But, um, but yeah, like beyond low Earth orbit, it's like super exciting, you know. Um, that's yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure what they'll do and like what it'll look like, but you know, the fundamentals are you know, I, I certainly think in the next sort of five, ten years, the moon could be really opened up by these small platforms. I mean, the, the, I think the problem with the moon is the business case, really. I mean, I think what the good thing about low Earth orbit is that you're pointing back at Earth where all the humans live, you right. know? So therefore, there's there's always economic value in that. You know, you can you, right. you can have different data sets, you can have different update rates, you can have different resolutions. Like, you know, you can kind of slice up a bunch of different mm -hmm. ways and there'll be people who care because, you know, they're down there with everyone else, you know, right, and right. they're like kind of... Well, yeah, like, insight it, or it could be or like, comms, you know? like, like in the, in the fifties or, um, probably even, you know, in the eighties, there was not, I, I don't believe that there was many people who were like, you know what, you know, there could be, there's a lot of money to be made and, you know, launching a bunch of tiny satellites in low earth orbit, you know, people would be like, why would you do that? You know, that's kind of dumb. Um, I, I don't know. I think it could just be one of those things that we just don't know the, the, like there could be a lots of value we just don't see it yet because we're... i think so yeah i mean certainly for pop cubes it's been like that it's been very kind of like technology driven and very kind of maker hobbyist university driven which is kind of mm -hmm. how all these things start off you know and then obviously over time the technology proliferates and mm -hmm. people try things and some of it works some of it doesn't and you kind of figure out what works and um yeah I really, I do think there's like there's obviously the trend of mega constellation and, and things like Starlink and OneWeb and whatnot. But I mean, I think there could definitely be a class of mega constellation for Paul Cubes. You know, I think someone like Swarm, so Swarm are doing like IoT. It's not really mm -hmm. Pocket Cube, but the same weight class. It's like quarter U cube sets. Um, right. So they're they're going to do 150 basically, and they've got like 25 million in funding, and mm -hmm. and um, you know they're kind of trying to basically they're, they're kind of convergent evolution with us we're, we're kind of taking the same sort of general approach to miniaturization yeah um, well yeah and there's like some some uses like for like relays and such where you do, you don't need a big system to, to do that you, you you could get away with it with a tiny cheap and expensive yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean that's that's what we're doing. We we flew some relays as well. So like, yeah, mm. there's definitely a bit of interest in that sort of concept, um, like mesh networks and stuff. Like you yeah. get like you know all these nodes talking to each other and, and acting like a sort of you know low data rate relay system or sort of bespoke for a certain application relay system. That's like definitely a thing that may emerge. It's sort of unclear exactly how it will, but and what that will look like, but. The technology definitely supports that kind of architecture, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you could be on here. I, I, I felt like I learned a lot about, I just did, yeah, the economics of CubeSats. <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. So exciting. Like, th- that's what I love about space and love about this podcast is that, you know, the news, it, it might not be the, uh, the cheeriest at the moment, but... It's always like I always, always feel so much happier uh, talking about all these new s- developments in space that are just happening at an incredible rate. It's it's so so inspirational. Um. Well, yeah. yeah so you got anything to plug? You got your uh, you have Alba Orbital, <laughs> of course. Alba Alba Orbital dot com. Um. You guys should check that out. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Twitter. Easy. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, I've been on Twitter, Tom Walkie, um, and um, yeah, I'll bother with Twitter. Yeah, I mean, just generally, if people uh, were running a workshop in, in Glasgow uh, for the PodCube community on the 8th and 9th of October. So if people are like a maker and they're interested in getting their satellite in orbit and they didn't think it was possible, well, hmm. um, we come out to Glasgow and have some beers and talk about satellites with a bunch of people who've or like, you know, come hang out with a 16-year-old kid that done it last year, you know. <laughs> He's not drinking beer, just to clarify. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're in Britain. You don't have, it aren't, aren't the laws, like, or is it 18? Well, I think, I think if you have, like, in Scotland at least, I believe you're like 16, you're allowed to drink if you buy food and you have, like, a parent. Uh, there's some sort of, like, weird loophole. <laughs> we have a kind of alcohol problem. And then the moon has to be uh, gibbous. <laughs> What is that, sir? No, I was, I was just. Sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a full um, moon. Parent has to be present. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like. ID Scotia, passport. Scottish people like have a good time. I mean, there's not much sun here in this, uh, the winter. I yeah, mean, so yeah, Congress, you got it. Like, yeah, I mean, you gotta entertain yourself somehow. Um, you know. It sounds um, like the sorry, but... Pacific Northwest where. Um, where I'm at, I'm in, I'm in Oregon. Right. It, it, so yeah, nice. we we have. I think it's a similar scene. I think we got like a bunch of breweries and, you know. It's very green in Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I landed in the I, I was in uh, the airport there, and it's just like trees everywhere. So. Oh yes. It's about uh, like Scotland, to be honest. Very green. Well, Oregon yeah. is. It was a fun thing about Oregon is that we have almost every different like. Uh, Ecos like type of ecos. I don't want to say ecosystem, um, but like we have we have high desert. We got rainforests. We got um, we got you know, um, you know normal forests. We got coast. Yeah, sea. We got coast. We got mountains. You know, it's yeah. sounds good. Yeah, it's a little microclimate. Yeah, I mean, Scotland's, yeah. we, we can have the opposite. We have a saying called, like, four seasons in one day. <laughs> so, like, it can be, like, sort of sunny in the morning, then, like, raining, then, like, snowing, and then back <laughs> to sunny again. It's, like, all in the course of, like, one day. So it's very changeable. So that's oh, our thing. Oh, um, that's funny. Generally pretty wet, but, um, 
Yeah, well, global warming is actually helping us a little bit here, to be honest. It's making the weather a little bit less crap, which um, is coming to... It's probably an unpopular position to hold. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm actually also pro-global warming. I say global warming is just colonization motivation. That's all it is. I mean, I, I think it's a great sales advert for Scotland, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, we've, been, we've not won the geography, like, you know, um, the postcode lottery on geography, unfortunately, in Scotland. But, um, yeah, it's, the last two summers has been 32 degrees here, which is, like, a record in, like, you know, that, that, that's never happened before, so um, <laughs> it's amazing, you know? And, like, our buildings aren't designed to take the heat. We don't have air conditioning. We uh, we have radiators. So it's, mm. it's been a kind of unusual thing to live with. Um, so, that's so yeah. funny. <laughs> make, make best of it, so, yep. yeah. Um, if, if you can, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. good. thanks for being on here. Um, no worries. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, Check out our other podcast, uh, Jinky to the Max, where we talk to cool creators about their awesome projects. Um, last week on the show, we had, um, I guess, when this is going to be released, it will be the, yeah, the latest episode. Gosh, I need to get my math straight. Um, we talked to a game dev who is practically single-handedly built and is current going to be releasing on Steam uh, a game I uh, built all unity, which is really, really interesting conversation. Really good. Um, uh, later spacers.